you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy helmet hello did you know how quickly summer is approaching I didn't. I never am prepared, let's be clear. This year, I'm blaming it on the fact that I'm pregnant. And so the idea of planning a vacation in advance, planning anything in advance, how am I going to feel? Is this pregnancy going to stick? Where are we going to go? We're in a new state. What does summer camp look like? When are we actually going to be available? All these different things were spinning through my mind, and so I didn't make any plans besides enrolling my kids in some camp because who knows? Uh, Also, now we live in a community near beaches. Even though our town isn't on a beach itself, we can easily and affordably get a beach pass to a nearby town's beach. And So if I'm getting regular beach time, am I even going to need a beach vacation? My kids and my husband do not appreciate the beach like I do. They hate sand. They don't too much care for sun. And if they're going to get sun, they'd rather be at a pool. They don't love any um, natural surprises in the water, be it seaweed or what we experience a lot in Rhode Island, which I don't appreciate either, which is the red tide all that red sort of algae stuff that gets everywhere. And even if you take five showers, you still have this red kind of sea plant in your hair. So I get it. I get it, guys. Uh, But I just didn't know what life would look like. And now I'm scrambling. We have two weeks at the end of summer where there is no camp. Uh, I am feeling like I want to get out and explore the world, and this is my last chance for a couple years having a newborn, so I was like, let me book a trip to Europe, and everything is sky high. All the tickets are just out of reach, Uh, or I guess I could do it, but I'd be regretting it, and then my kids, I applied for passports. They still haven't gotten here. I looked into like the passport location tracker and everything like that, and 
You can write to the congressman and get it rushed, but you have to have travel plans already paid for and booked. And I'm just not willing to take that risk with the prices being this astronomical. Oh, goodness. I just feel like I'm stuck. Uh, And a big part of the reason that I'm stuck is that I didn't make earlier plans. And as I mentioned, I have a lot of excuses this year why I didn't. But just to be quite frank, this happens to me a lot. I find it very hard to make these hard and fast commitments because being my own boss, my schedule is flexible. I could really go away whenever I want to. And I feel very lucky and fortunate. But I don't want to go without my husband. And he has always had these very interesting jobs um, that dictate when he goes on vacation. He doesn't get to choose because they are, you know, he was in TV and now he writes for big events and these events are scheduled. They're set in stone. And the companies themselves don't take off. They don't take vacation time, like say a school. So nothing is charted for us in advance. And we just have to insist because there's no convenient time. Uh, And that's exhausting. And I don't know. It's just, it's just, anyway, that's where I'm at. That's where my head is at. Uh, And I hope you guys have got everything planned and I've got like Airbnbs and pools and exotic locales all cleared and on your schedule and booked for months in advance and know that I'm very envious. We might just spend all summer exploring our acreage and uh, and the local beaches. Who knows? Question mark. Uh, Well, we're also going to be spending the summer finishing the design of my home because you guys know that I've been in a little bit of denial. I have not been motivated and Can I just share with you the real reason? Because I've been searching my soul. Why don't I want to buy a sectional for the living room? Why don't I want to buy a dining table? Why don't I want to buy these things that I know the space needs? Uh, I was so excited before, like roundabout Thanksgiving and prior. And then it came to a screeching halt at Christmas. Why? And the reason is because I started falling out of love with Connecticut. It was very cold and I was over it and the kids are still miserable and not making friends. And I started feeling sick then in about January and I wanted to get the heck out of here. Uh, And I just have lost not the verve, but the commitment to the house. I'm like, are we really going to be here? Why don't I just pick up and move to Florida? Why don't we move to Lisbon, Portugal? Nobody's happy here anyway. Why don't we just get the heck out of Dodge? But then spring came and it's absolutely gorgeous here and so charming. And all the beaches are just 15 minutes away. And uh, all of a sudden my daughter is living her best life on the softball team. And my son is, well, not living his best life, but there you go. And it's just like, are we really doing this for the next 20 years? So that's where I'm at. And I realize that all of this comes down to commitment issues. And I think it's just time to commit. And then if we do wind up moving somewhere, um, I just eat it. It's just, uh, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Anyway, this is transforming into my design diary rather than transforming into a place where you get your questions answered. So I will segue in one minute. But speaking of design diaries, you may have heard of my last episode that I am writing a 
a book of personal essays regarding my journey to becoming an interior designer. I've been an interior designer for 18 years and I never went to school for this. I never dreamed of being a designer when I was little. All of this has kind of fallen into place. And now I've been a designer for nearly two decades. I've taken thousands of clients. I have a team of 10. Uh, Life just looks so different. And there have been so many highs and lows along the way. You guys remember the issue with the billionaire? If you don't remember, go back and listen to the episodes. Just Google or search in our iTunes billionaire. Um, There have just been a lot of bumps. I reveal a lot of client issues and struggles and triumphs in the premium episodes. So if you're not a premium member, you'll want to join our premium membership so you can listen to the near 80 episodes where I go into more detail about working with design clients. It's a somewhat more private community, so I feel I can discuss uh, more sensitive things. Uh, So that's where you'll find even more of that. But um, there might be things that you want to know. There might be questions that you have about, Betsy, why did you take this path? Or how do I do this? Or how do you get from here to here? What was that leap for you? So as I'm kind of creating the skeleton of this book, determining what the chapters will be, I want feedback from you. What do you think is a critical chapter in my story that maybe you've heard over the course of the podcast that you'd want to hear more about? Or what piece is missing for you in the puzzle? Maybe you're thinking about becoming a interior designer in your own right, or you're having a career journey and you're like, how do I get from solopreneur to having a team? or whatever, right? Uh, send me an email at betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. That's B-E-T-S-Y at affordableinteriordesign.com. Shoot me that email. Let me know what you'd like me to write about because this book is truly in its infancy and I'm working so hard every week to get it out there to you within the year. So I really want to know um, what you want to know. All right, let's dig into the mailbag without further ado. Let's see what else you might want to know about your personal design dilemmas. My first question today comes from Mel, and Mel is writing from Orlando, Florida. She says, hi, Betsy. I'm looking for help with my kitchen. The previous owners put in this granite and backsplash. I think it's outdated and way too brown for my tastes. The rest of the house is very colorful. We have other renovations to go first, so it'll be a year or two before we can replace the countertop and backsplash. Is there anything I can do to make it look updated and more colorful in the meantime? Also, the kitchen gets no direct sunlight, so it tends to look very dark. Thank you. I love your podcast. Well, thanks for writing, Mel. So yes, you know, even though there's only two pictures and I have a limited view into the rest of the house, I can see between the lemon wallpaper in the room adjoining the kitchen and the sort of palm frond artwork that the rest of the house might have this light beachy vibe, whereas the kitchen is really stuck in the late 90s, early 2000s with the chocolate brown cabinets, the chocolate brown island, the kind of... um, modeled countertop that's granite that has the gold flecks with the brown. Then you've got these large format beige tiles that are meant to look like stone with a lot of movement and variation. And then the backsplash, oh my goodness, it's got the chocolate mochaccino, different 
kind of color range of brown mosaic tiles that are the tiny squares. I just loathe mosaic tiles in almost any application. There are some very high-end mosaics that make like a really large picture that I can tolerate, even though I'm not sure I'd splurge for them. But the tiny square or circular or even rectilinear mosaics that were popular in the early aughts, I just can't. I just can't. You're asking how to brighten and lighten this kitchen. And, you know, you could do that with a more colorful runner rug. You could do that with some accessories on the countertop, but that's clearly clutter. And I don't want you to get clutter for clutter's sake. You know, this is dominatingly brown. And the things that are making it brown are all these renovation selections. And I know that this isn't a priority for you, but, you know, I would pop out that backsplash. It's very affordable. It's not too hard to do. And having a different tile behind the stove, beneath the cabinets would make a world of difference. It would break up that brown on brown on brown. Now, you've probably heard of the peel and stick versions of tile, but those are really best when put on a wall, not when applied directly onto other tile. So I don't think this would be a place where those would be successful. Also, because of the tiny mosaics, I don't even think the tile tattoos would work well here. Now, if you're completely resistant to changing out this backsplash due to budgetary constraints, the one other thing you may consider is painting this tile. So just painting it one clean color would even be a big help in breaking up the brown. Uh, also, I can't see the bar stools in the limited pictures, but if the bar stools were a different color, that could certainly help. But when you're inside this kitchen, you're not going to see the bar stools just like I can't see them from the picture. So the key would really be to either bring in accessories, which may just be counter clutter, change out the backsplash or paint the backsplash. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, bringing in some different runner rugs that would um, go with the color palette you create with that backsplash. Those are my ideas. Now you want to make sure to keep this space relatively cohesive. So if people are coming from that adjacent room that has the wallpaper with the lemons on the green vines that has the light blue backdrop, you want to incorporate some of those colors. I think the green would be really nice because too much of that baby blue is just going to be a huge dose. And um, blue is not a color that we readily associate with kitchens just because there's not a lot of food that's in the blue color range. And yellow, I think, would just be too vibrant, too overwhelmingly cheerful. So I think one of the variations of that green would not only go beautifully for the backsplash, but then would also tie in the palm artwork that I see in the other adjacent area to the kitchen. There we go, Mel. I've solved all your problems. I hope that helps. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. 
Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Now let's get to my next question. Kristen has written in and she is writing all the way from Akron, Ohio. She writes, Betsy, I am submitting this question on behalf of my mom. She is stuck on how to decorate her fireplace mantles. I've attached a photo so you can see exactly how the fireplace is set up. It has two firewood boxes built in that protrude from the front. It creates a very interesting shape. The tops of the boxes are perfect squares, which also makes it kind of awkward to decorate since they're so deep. She mentioned that she would like some kind of lighting to add interest to the space, but there are no outlets nearby. I'm stumped on how to decorate these mantles without the decor looking dwarfed by the height of the fireplace. I'm thinking that taller pieces would look better, but we don't want to just fill the space with random objects. Help, what do you think would look nice in this space? So yes, let me just describe a little bit more. So this is a very grand stone fireplace with large format stones that range in color from like a gray to a beige. There's even some hints of a reddish or purplish type stone. And the stone goes all the way up to the ceiling. And it does seem like these ceilings are sort of peaked and they could be higher than normal, even though I just have one zoomed in picture. So that stone goes all the way up, but on either side of the actual fireplace opening, which has a brass screen that's attached to the stone with some glass, uh, it kind of has those doors, right? Then you have these unusual protrusions that you were talking about, which are sort of these square protrusions that stick out, also made of stone with a so stone slab surface on top, and that are housing the wood. And they are beckoning. They are calling for some kind of sculptural object. Now, we've already got a place to store the wood in those niches that are under those deep ledges. Uh, so it really would look kind of silly to put any additional wood there. These ledges are calling for large, perfectly selected objects. You didn't want to buy objects for these that are random, but that's what this is asking for because the fireplace space is so high. Well, let me let me think about this. So the thing that you have on the fireplace space right now is a wall clock that's between two and three feet in diameter and is rustic 
red in color and is wire. So you can clearly see, or metal, you can clearly see the stone behind it. Now, the thing that's troubling me is it's kind of not doing much. It's fading into the background and it's kind of small. It's about, it's hung, excuse me, about two to three feet above the firebox. Here's my thought. I think this clock is all wrong. I think it's getting lost. I think the stone is so much more interesting than the clock. And I think the clock would look better on a simpler background where it could really sing. I think we need something really grand and oversized above this fireplace. And then we need something less grand on those ledges because those ledges are awkward and unusual and we don't want to draw tons of attention to them, but they do need something. I would replace that clock with a large vertical mirror, maybe something with an arch at the top, something that isn't squared at the top because these two ledges are squared as well as the fireplace opening. So that's just a lot of either vertical or square edges and we need something to break that up. So I would either consider a large arched mirror or a very large circular mirror, like think four or five feet in diameter, something dramatic. You could even do like a very large scale piece of art, like four or five feet square, maybe stretched on canvas, maybe quite colorful. That would really steal the show. Now, when we do this very large dramatic moment, we then no longer want something large and dramatic on either side on these ledges because that would really be overkill. We would be gilding the lily. We would be stealing the show from this show-stopping piece of art. So my recommendation then would be to do something simpler like pictures on picture frames. Now we want to avoid doing anything that would just fade into the background on this stone. So I would do something metal you know, choosing the metal finish that you're using throughout the space. In the kitchen, it appears to be silver. This area is open to the kitchen. It also appears to be silver because of the fireplace tools that she's got. But then you've also got this brass. So I'm feeling somewhat conflicted and I'm wondering if she's evaluated that in her space. But I could see doing like a sort of large-ish picture frame on a stand on each ledge and then having this beautiful arched mirror above the fireplace. And when I say large, I'm talking five feet high or four to five feet. Uh, like I said, I can't see all the way up to the ceiling, but I want you to bring the drama with this piece so we don't have to bring the drama with the objects. So it does involve her switching out this clock, but I think it's going to solve a myriad of problems. And I don't think this clock works with stuff on the ledge or stuff off the ledge. So that's my two cents. I hope your mom agrees with me. And Kristen, I hope you like my idea too. All right. My next question comes from Sarah. Sarah's writing from Kearney, Nebraska. Sarah writes, Betsy, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year. I've purchased your book as well as my three-class bundle. All these resources have been immensely helpful as I learn more about the interior design industry so I can make my house look more designerly and less like a hot mess. Recently on a podcast episode, you mentioned that you used wall decals in your son's room as a way to add elements that interest your son without spending too much or having anything permanent. 
I never use wall decals, so I'm wondering if you have recommendations on the best brands that won't peel the paint when I remove the decals in a, fe- in a few years. Of course, my daughter's going to have new interests and I'm going to need to change them out. Is removal more dependent on wall prep and removal techniques? Do you have a recommendation on how long to let the paint cure before putting up wall decals? Our daughter's bedroom will have a mermaid slash under the sea theme. All right. Wonderful. So Sarah, thanks for sending this in. I love seeing the decals. I definitely get the mermaid under the sea vibe. Uh, Let's just say that for both my daughter and my son, I have used a variety of decals uh, from Etsy. I've used them from Amazon because my kids have all these different interests. My son wanted something personalized with his name, which came from Etsy. Then he wanted like some life-size figures, which I think came from, I think there's, um, what's it called? Fathead decals? Hold on. That's one of my favorites because they have some really good decals. Yeah, Fathead has some really good ones with a lot of... um, like brands that are hard to get and logos. And I have not only used a ton of decals for my children's room. My daughter went down a frozen path and then we did flowers and then we did butterflies. Um, But then I also use them a ton for my clients. I've done personalized names. I've done wall maps. I've done uh, unicorns. Uh, And the key is for me, you want these decals to stick. I've used a variety that peel off too easily. And of course, they're not marring the paint, but then I have to find a way to fasten them. Like for the unicorns I mentioned, the horn was glittery. And so that decal was thicker and it kept peeling off. And it was such a problem because I had to ultimately cut some 3M strips to hold it on, which caused it to puff out from the wall a little bit. And I don't know, just like exhausting. So you want it to cling on there. Now, I would definitely leave a couple of weeks between painting the wall and applying the decal. So I would do at least two weeks. But after the two-week period, I would put those decals on. And the thing you must know, the thing I have personally discovered is that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you want to press these on properly so that they stay, so that the edges don't peel up. No, gosh forbid you have to move that decal. It's not in just the right space. Like doing a map is a nightmare because everything has to line up perfectly. But if you remove it and try and put it back quite a bit, it's going to peel off. You know, these things are just challenges you'll learn. So you want to kind of do a one and done application. And you'll find that no matter the brand, it will peel the paint. And I have found that it's more a function of how long the decal's on the wall. So my son went past Thomas the Train relatively quickly. He went through Star Wars that started to get scary on his wall, but he had a Fortnite obsession that really stuck, pun intended. And those decals were on the wall for a long time and they did peel off a lot of the paint. Also, my daughter's frozen phase was short-lived. So we had these huge life-size Anna and Elsa characters. They came off like a dream because they were on for six months. But she really loved the flowers and the butterflies. They stayed on for a long time. And again, we had issues. 
Now, when you're taking them off, you want to go very slowly and gently. I use the same piece that I use to apply it, which is either a credit card or most decals come with this plastic tool that mimics a credit card in the kit that you use to apply it. I use that same thing to gingerly peel off and I go around all the edges before kind of peeling towards the middle. Even then, even being fastidious, even going slowly, uh, the paint may chip and peel. Now, I found it quite easy to sand those places and repaint, and you can't tell that anything happened, but it did take that extra couple of steps, and it was annoying. But that's all to say that you can't really determine in advance not only how long this is going to be up, how long they're going to be in the mermaid phase, but also which ones are going to do the damage. In my um experience, because I haven't been dependent on a certain brand, rather I've gone for the imagery, I haven't noted, oh wait, the fathead ones always do this, or the ones from this particular Etsy shop always do this. Instead, I've used such a variety, uh, hand applying them myself, that it's really hit or miss. And if you don't feel comfortable sanding and painting, just hire a handy person to do that afterwards. But I found it to um, not be a huge ordeal. Well, guys, I have loved answering your questions today. If you have more questions for me, please keep them coming. All you have to do is go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. That's a mouthful. And there's a form there that says click here to submit your question. The more pictures you can send, the better I can do at thoroughly answering your question. But send what you have. And I can't wait to see what problems come up for next week. Until then, bye everybody. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends 
or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.